This is Movies, a podcast about the active cinema, and with me today to count down our top 10 best films of the year 2022 is my co-host Hans. Hans, how are you doing? Movie star Hans, Hollywood Hans. Don't do that. Uh, don't <laughs> fucking start that shit. Uh, good. A uh, um, uh, uh, different day, you know, changed my shirt. That's right. Well, this uh, episode actually just... comes before our episode with Mario, which is oh. next week, where mm. we're going to be talking about the uh, 10 or 5 best films we watched in 2022. These are going to be older films. That's next week. Definitely two different episodes that we recorded uh, two weeks apart. So, uh, yeah, we're here to talk about our top 2022 movies. That's right. And spoiler alert, Hans did name Philomena as his favorite film watched in 2022. Yeah. What was Philomena? <laughs> I think that was what Judy was that? Dench and Steve Coogan. Um, oh, right. Yeah. What do you? It how do you feel? Mexican for some reason. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> what do you? What do you think about this year, 2022, in film? I think uh, it was. Uh, I. <clears throat> it, it wasn't as bad as 2020, or 2021. I'm trying to remember the picks that I had last year. And I think I only did five, right? I don't think I could even come up with 10. Or was that the year before? I want to say that it was 2020 that you struggled to come up with oh. any at all. 2021, you might have done like eight or nine. Right. You know, I don't think you I, had a full 10. I think the, the problem is that there's still a lot of trash. So you have to watch a lot of trash to find gems, I guess, which is, I guess what happened in most years but uh i was able to come up with 10 this year so that's a, that's a positive um uh as opposed to previous episodes of this i guess series now what is this third year in a row that we do this or four no this is your third year third. yeah and it I, it's gonna be i mean we're in 2023 now this is the fifth year going on the fifth year of movies uh movies premiered september 11th 2018 with Gotti, and that was me doing like 20 to 40 minute long solo episodes. And I did that for 33 episodes, I want to say, before you came on as co-host and we did uh, The Hateful Eight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, before podcasts were an hour and a half. That's right. Right. That's right. Yeah, no, uh, these episodes were getting capped at like 40 to 60 minutes, even with guests on. And then we started doing like 90 minutes this is the norm, I want to say around 2020 when nobody had anything better to do. And right. it just became the standard. So here we are. Um, We're recording on Skype. Which in retrospect, uh, I really wish we had made the leap sooner because those early video episodes are literally just like close-ups of our faces yeah. blo blocked in. Uh, hey, join our Patreon to look at very close-up shots mm -hmm. of blurry camera 280p, uh, 360p. <laughs> Uh, video. My phone on one episode. Remember the Kevin Smith episode? I think I did on my phone because my computer was the shop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was rough going adapting to the new technology, but now we're all in on it. And people are, I think, hopping off of Zoom now. I think a lot more people are using Riverside. Not just. Uh, I'm not just saying that because we did Low Society two weeks in a row, two two episodes in a row, uh, where it was Riverside. But it seems like more people are into that and that seems to be i guess a cheaper version of zoom i don't know i like zoom i personally enjoy zoom because it's very safe and if the computer dies in the middle of the program 
it's going to still back up everything we got, uh, which I appreciate. So on the last episode of this program, I gave my 20 to number 11 top picks of the year. And I'm going to assume you don't listen to the episodes, Hans. You're not much of a fan, you know. Uh, So I'll I'll just rattle off what I had in my 20 to 11 real quick. And I'm curious to get what your take on this preliminary list of films is uh, from your perspective. Uh, Number 20 for me was Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which was released direct to Netflix. I thought that was a cool, dark, animated film, far better than I was expecting it to be. Number 19 was Bones and All from director Luca Guadagnino. Number 18 uh, was Corey's Cool, Corey's Cool Motorcycle Adventures uh, by David Gordon Green. Number 17 was The Banshees of Inishirin. Number 16 was Shut In. Number 15 was... Wow. <laughs> okay, that's the first objectionable one. Um, number 15 was Deep Water, the uh, Ben Affleck, Anna de Armas, Tracy Letts starring film directed by Adrian Lyne. Number 14 was the Amy Poehler directed documentary Lucy and Desi. Number 13 was the Park Chan-wook film, which everyone is raving about, Decision to Leave, which mm. I said it on this episode um, it feels like people are overcompensating for gassing up Parasite four years ago. Yeah. And really heralding that as, oh, this is the new cinema movement. Parasite's so good and not, here's our Korean diversity pick of the year, Parasite. Decision to leave feels like, no, we've always been into Korean film, but it's one of his lesser films, Park chan Wu. He's done it much better three or four times over. And I wouldn't be mad if it did get nominated for Best Picture because it's a, a whole lot better than many other films this year. But um, it feels fake. feels very... Uh, definitely definitely a step down from Parasite. Uh, I agree, actually. Yeah. And I, I'm a harsh critic of Bong Joon-ho, but when he's good, he's really good. I thought Parasite uh, was a much better movie than Decision to Leave. In every way. The acting, the way it looks, the way it's shot. I feel Decision to Leave has... Somebody very questionable shots here is just what are you what are you even trying to do here? Like it just looks like I'm just moving the camera, you know, because Well he did this movie. thing where it's like an over the shoulder on an iPhone and then the POV of the iPhone and then also like a canted angle on the iPhone and then a close up on the iPhone. And it's a wide shot on the iPhone. There's yeah. a lot of stuff like that. You know why? Because Apple fucking paid him to do that movie. It it felt to me, even though it's Korean, it felt like uh, you know, when they would bring Asian directors to direct American movies, mm-hmm. and they're just like, ah, oh, it's you can see his style. This is John Woo directed Americans. It's like it's his style, but it's missing something. You know, it's like it's not there completely, even though it is Korean. And also, the the big Korean cinema movement is over. Sorry, that ended ages ago. Their movies are not as good as they were 15 or 20 years ago. The time to be there for that, to be uh, really into it and enjoying the wealth of great films was about 2000 to 2012. Yeah, uh, I feel like it ended with The Handmaiden. Hmm. Handmaiden was 2016 or so. That was the last really great one. That was Park Chan-wook's other film, uh, his last film that he directed. And I was able to catch that at Sunshine Cinema before they closed down in New York. Uh, So that's my number 13. Number 12 is Kevin Smith's uh, Clerks 3. 
which I think is uh, a great film. Uh, number 11 is <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. So Top Gun Maverick, Clerks 3, you know, they're in the same, you know, one could easily replace the other, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So uh, just thoughts on, on that quick, quick list there before we get into our top 10s of the, the year. Uh. I, I never saw Top Gun Maverick. Um, I don't like the first one. I think it's overrated and loved for the nostalgia factor. People that probably liked it uh, back in the day. Uh, I tried watching that, and I, I don't even remember if I finished it. And if I did, I I hope I you finished it. We did an episode on it. Okay. I That's how much I remember. That's how much it's stuck in my head. <laughs> it was just like, this is just 80s cringe. I don't, I don't understand. Um, but, so that's why I... Uh, I've had it on my hard drive for like the whole year since it came out or what July whenever it came out uh, and I just I like really don't care I, I feel like the whole right wing thing behind it not that the movie is right wing but like the, the right wing is like oh here's a movie for the man and the, all that shit it's just like I don't care like it's really it kind of took away from what I'm sure it's a at least decent movie but I just it makes it unappealing I think yeah, when you see too many of the same type of person um, boasting that a film is amazing and the best of the year and this and that, it takes away the enthusiasm. And th- I mean, this is certainly the case with like many left wingers. With, with Parasite, mm-hmm. for example, there's a certain contingent of people trying to push Parasite as like this. This is a big socialist message, and uh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, they're all kind of pieces of shit, especially the fucking poor people are disgusting in that film. Uh, so I, I don't know where you would maybe land on that, but it, it makes it it makes it it, it it kind of prevents you from wanting to rush to revisit it or watch it to begin mm-hmm. with when that type of faction gets behind and rallies a film with Top Gun Maverick. That's kind of a big one to miss out on for the year, I think. Even though it's only my number eleven, a lot of people are going to cite it as their top film of the year. Uh, that that was, I think, the big blockbuster film to come out this year, or or at least in terms of generating a profit. It'll probably wind up being Avatar two when all Avatar is said and done, two. you know. So I don't know. Top Gun Maverick I thought was very enjoyable. I've got the four K Blu Ray here. I was watching the special features and learning about the whole process of which you know they were filming in real aircrafts that they were flying and they had to memorize their lines and their scene partners lines and deliver it on cue and there are six cameras here you have to lean this way and do this and that and you're you're doing it all by yourself there's no one in a headset helping you out and it seemed like a lot of work because tom cruise just pressed everyone to do it no there was no slacking off which i appreciate because yeah um i i've i've said this before but i think what tom cruise does best is shows that um, he shows that things are only of lower quality right now because no one wants to take the extra step to mm-hmm. ensure that greatness and that authenticity. All you have to do is try. If you show up and you try, you're at a better advantage than most other people where, especially nowadays, we talk so much about how the films are polished and and. A lot of creative decisions are decided upon in post-production as opposed to the day of. I think it kills something in, in the filmmaking process when you choose to go that route. When you have so many options and you know you can figure it out later on. Um, at least as far as technical things go, like stunts. 
or performances, having yeah. people sit in front of a green screen, it, that laziness adds up. It cultivates to an inferior product. And Top Gun Maverick, I think, is a good movie. Um, but uh, does it does it hold up as well at home as it does in the theater? Probably not. And I can say mm -hmm. that about Elvis also. I watched Elvis and I was like, you know, I think it's easier to get lost in the visuals of that movie when you're sitting in front of the, the theater screen and it's just all over. It's designed for that kind of experience. And it's easier to like pick apart some of the special effects and what have you when you can see it on a TV, everything shrunk down and you yeah. can more easily decipher what's original footage of the actual Elvis performing based off the grain quality as opposed to what they just shot with Austin Butler and things of that matter. So um, I try not to hold that against a film, especially if it's designed for the theater, like most films once were, um, mm -hmm. but it, it's a factor. Uh, all right. Why don't we kick off our list? You have a, you have a solid 10. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, I had Elvis as 11 on mine. And then I saw a movie recently. It's a zombie movie from Spain called Valley of the Dead. And I was wondering if that would qualify because it wasn't released because of COVID. And then it just came out on, on Netflix in this year. Yeah, I, I think if it's uh, released in in 2022, yeah. then that's that. And if it's released domestically or what have you. I mean, you, you hear this if you listen to any UK podcast where they talk about film they do their best of the year uh you'll hear like films from 2020 and 2021 in the mix on there so that's just look it, it's constantly fluctuating and you you know there's no worldwide release date for any given film so yeah we'll count that absolutely okay so that one was fun uh i haven't seen a zombie movie in a while that was funny and also had decent effects the story is very basic it's just uh, soldiers in the uh german war uh, they send a soldier to deliver a letter and then uh, he's caught by uh, communists or anarchists and uh, then zombies pop up and they have to kill them. But it's really, it's got a, I, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Spanish movies uh, and I, I don't know, probably should because I've watched a couple recently that were really good. But it, it's very funny. It has a lot of really funny moments, even with the subtitles, like it still translate and the characters are really well done. So that Valley of the Dead, it's, currently on netflix right now so that i would recommend that one if you like uh you know early 2000s zombie like comedies uh that that are you know not very complicated very short uh but it it, it was i was pleasantly surprised by it so that was my 12 elvis for that it doesn't make top 10 because i still have not rewatched it so my elvis experience was one to three movies very <laughs> blurry like, yeah. yeah like 240p i think it was or something horrible like that so i my my experience wasn't as great but i could see still appreciate his style and his you know flamboyant things that he adds to his movies uh what's his name um Michael Schumacher. No, what's his That's name? That's right. No, it was Joel Schumacher, Schumacher. directed from Beyond the Grave. It was his post posthumous uh, film. Race car driver, Michael Schumacher, uh, directing gay movies. Uh, gay Elvis. Uh, uh, Baz so Luhrmann. My... Baz Luhrmann, right. So that was my 11. Uh, should I start with my 10? Yeah, go ahead. Start with number 10. Okay, so my number 10 is uh, one of your favorites. Uh, everything, everywhere, <laughs> all at once. Are you kidding me? <laughs> No, I was going through the list yesterday and I was like, how can I piss him off? Uh, and and 
honestly like i don't remember a lot of of it i remember i enjoyed the editing a lot i don't remember much of the story uh but uh i gave it four stars on my letterbox so compared to everything else uh, it's one of the highest ones that are rated i know that the narrative and annoying online people have maybe yeah changed the the narrative exactly what we were talking about five minutes ago yeah exactly uh but i i remember just you know it was it was a fun you know like a family movie i think a rip roaring good time at the cinema is what gene shallot called it exactly i saw it at home but yeah uh that would be my my 10. wow so your list doesn't count already. It's I said valid, this. Yeah. I said... <laughs> I uh, my number 10 is Ted K, which we did two episodes on. And there's mm. a rumor that Ted Kaczynski's dead right now, but that oh. the press hasn't come out with it. There hasn't been an official report yet. You know, you can't trust these things. This was days ago. Someone on 4chan said, I'm a hospital worker at the penitentiary where he's locked up and he died only hours ago. I have no clue when the press is going to report on it. Everybody believed it. Everybody said, oh, sad day. Because he has cancer. He's going to be dead any day now. But it's been three or four days and nothing. Nothing on Ted Kaczynski's passing. So Ted K, we've talked about it at length. Go check out the episode we did with Jake Hanrahan where we're talking about the film. Uh, There was an episode where I think my audio was not on. Right? I fucked up the audio somehow. So that was just, I think it might have been a paywall only show. Because why would you? Put that out as an official episode but i did uh <laughs> so yeah ted k is number 10 for me uh, i will go into my number nine we can just do it this way just alternating number nine for me is a film called peter von kant uh directed by francois ozen and uh it's a gender swapped remake of the bitter tears of petra von kant the rainer warner fassbender film but it's not really. It's actually kind of a biopic on Fassbender without being a biopic. And they have the guy who opens the scene in Inglorious Bastards with Christoph Waltz, who has this sort of uh, Lee Schreiber look to him. And he's, mm-hmm. a, he's a German actor, I'm fairly certain. Is he? Or is he a French actor? I think he might be a French Dave actor. Schreiber. I don't know. Um, no, the actor. He's from Boston. <laughs> oh yeah boston boston leave uh yeah no uh dennis michaud or menachet is his name and you should look up a before and after on this guy look him up in inglorious type in his name inglorious bastards dennis menachet and then right after you do that and you should do a screen share for this um look yeah. him up in peter von kant and see what kind of transformation this man has undergone in just a little over 10 years oh, wow. um but yes, he's a uh, he's a rather uh, bulky boy, this Dennis Menoshe. But he's great in the movie, and he's very infantile as an adult gay man with a daughter in the '80s. And the film has kind of a cool look to it. So here he is, suave and manly, and he's got big forearms and nice the beard. Scene. That's right, yeah, where he's hiding a Jewish family under the floorboards, and Hans Landa, who you were named after. Uh, yeah. decides to go and then here he is now and uh yep he looks shorter and wider puffier it's crazy how getting fat makes you look shorter yeah it's yeah 
He does not look short. He looks like Sargon of a cod. He does. <laughs> Sargon of a fat. Uh, is he fat? Is Sargon fat? I don't. I haven't. I think he lost like weight, but years. he's still round face, so it doesn't matter. There you go. Yeah. How five years? What'd you say? Ten years. Ten years. Ten. Which yeah. is, I mean. There's no reasonable amount of time to kind of puff out like that, especially if you're not even like, I don't think he's 50 yet. I think he might be in his 40s. But uh, you can see how that could happen over 10 years. So Peter Von Kant is my number nine film of 2022. Well, I'm going to do my nine and eight because Ted K was my nine. Okay. Uh, so that doesn't, I mean... Don't have anything else to say. Yeah, we've Just talked about that too much. Episode. Yeah. Uh, number eight is a movie called The Wasteland. It's a Spanish movie. Uh, it's a very creepy folk horror movie about this little boy that lives with his parents in a little shack in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and it has a, uh, they're like afraid of a demon or a monster or something that's coming to get them. So they have like a perimeter around their house and they're not allowed to go past that. Uh, and it's just a very, interesting uh cinematography and the the kid is a really good actor too so uh uh let me show you a couple of stills because i feel like the the um visual aspect of it is one of the most interesting things it's very desolate very desert like it's currently on netflix too i'm all the shit that i've talked about <laughs> netflix latin american like... films on netflix yeah no i i haven't well, even not... heard of the wasteland it's not a Latin American movie. It's Spanish, oh, okay. but, Whatever. But, it's all but, the same <laughs> shit. All yeah, right. but it's very, you know, folk tea horror, like kind of dirty, kind of poor people. You know, they don't have anything to eat and they're just afraid of a thing that we don't see for most of the movie. But it all kind of looks like that. A lot of white shots, a mm. lot of very intense night scenes. That's not it. That's so not the village. It. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Uh, so that uh, that was an enjoyable one. That would be my my number eight. I don't really have much to say about it, but uh, it's a uh, it's a good pick if you have a couple hours to to kill and and you like uh, folky horror. Okay, well, the wasteland is Hans's number eight film of the year. My number eight film of the year is The Fablemans, the Steven Spielberg movie with Paul Dano and Michelle Williams. And I have to tell you, I did a double feature of this in Bones and All, and I was like, all right. I don't even really want to watch The Fablemans. I don't care. Uh, late late career Steven Spielberg is very boring. Yeah. You know, I, I have no interest in this, but I'll get it out of the way just so I can say that I watched it. And I really enjoyed the movie. I didn't like Bones and All that much. I really enjoyed The Fablemans. And it doesn't do anything particularly interesting. It's just the deconstruction of a family and how Seth Rogen ruins the family because he's the best friend who's a little too... He's a little too comedic around the wife. He hangs out with the wife a little too much. He's going on family trips with the husband and wife and the kids more than any normal family friend should. And uh, the boy who wants to be a filmmaker discovers in the film reels, uh-oh, I just saw him grab my mom's ass. What is this about? She smacked his hand away. Are they kissing in the forest? Uh-oh. And Paul Dano is just like this non- charismatic not funny uh guy who's got a good job and everything else he's a good father good husband um but 
does not seem like the right kind of guy for Michelle Williams. She's way more into his best friend, Seth Rogen. And Seth Rogen is the guy they picked for that? Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. He's not likable in the movie. He's very, like, it fits his public persona. Right, but she's got a type. Me. She likes the glasses, nerdy Jewish men. So, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, the thought, Fableman. Yeah. I thought the movie was about, like, Steven Spielberg being a kid and liking movies or something. It I kinda, saw, it, I, there's a bit I, of that, but I don't think I, that's the main thing because I'm fairly certain his parents are still together. They might even be still alive. He's oh. keeping them alive. Because I saw like the first 10 minutes and, and then something happened with the with my movie theater and the mm -hmm. audio got synced. And so uh, the image was like five seconds behind. I was like, ah, that sucks. So I, so I just didn't watch it. But uh, yeah, sounds like a, something I should check out. Well, there's an ending uh, to the movie that I think is probably the best ending of any movie from this year uh, that features a... Uh, so it's pulled from Steven Spielberg's real life where he was working at a TV studio and he had an opportunity to meet the famed director, John Ford, who directed well over 100 movies and is this great uh, pioneer of American filmmaking. He directed... Uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance and Red River and all these stagecoach, all these great films of the early 20th century. And who did they get to play John Ford? They had David Lynch play John Ford, and he's the perfect guy to cast as, as Ford. And uh, the whole ending, I think, really puts a nice little bow on the film, which was good. Maybe not anything special or anything that anyone will return to, but for the year, I think it's Pretty great. So The Fablemans is my number eight of the year. Uh, would you like to give your number seven before I give mine? Uh, number seven, it's a movie that kind of surprised me um, because, uh, I mean, found footage is pretty dead, right? Uh, the... I think it's due any day now to come back. I mean, the, I think... the VHS movies are trying, right? But they're, they don't feel like found footage. You would need, I think in order for it to come back for real, Someone has to go grab a real VCR camera or Sony Digicam or something and go shoot a, a full movie with that. Well, this movie might bring it back if more people watch it. It's called Incantation. It's an Asian movie. Uh, it's a creepy found footage movie about this village. Uh, Damn, you have that, quite the uh, international list so far this year, huh? Yeah, I went away from America this year and <laughs> <laughs> just tried to diversify by my my list no it's interesting uh, it, all right so it, go ahead tell me more about this because i haven't heard about this movie either it's very creepy uh it's uh it has a lot of um you know early found footage elements that work uh you know the and and i was talking uh, about this uh to my my girlfriend that uh you know found footage movies are not that difficult to make saying i'm saying that without ever making one but because you can um uh map or you can you can plan things and and since you have the camera in your hands and the only thing you see is the camera you can hide things and you can do uh jump scares and and things like that uh very easily without showing them and then all of a sudden you show them so uh, that's what i feel killed the found footage uh genre that because it's a little less complicated than using multiple cameras and multiple settings and multiple actors people just got lazy and then you have things like uh uh, paranormal activity next of kin which is a terrible movie uh, mm. but they kept just trying to continue milking the franchise and it sucks here it's done really well um 
there there's a lot of very creepy visuals and a lot of things that you don't expect to see uh in a modern movie uh because of you know that style uh i believe that might be streaming on netflix too goddamn uh but, but uh but it, it's definitely one to check out if you like that genre um I, I don't know if it's going to, I hope it doesn't revive it because once that happens, then we're just going to continue getting trashed like we did before. But it's it's definitely one of the top on that genre, especially horror uh, found footage, uh, just because of how creative a lot of the shots are and a lot of the, the creepy Asian uh, demon things we see in it. Um, so Incantation is my seven. Okay. Uh, my number seven of the year is a, a film called Watcher starring Mako Monroe and Byrne Gorman, which we briefly talked about on this program before. Uh, it's a very Hitchcockian thriller that I originally saw the trailer to when I went to go see uh, Vortex at the IFC. And it's from a director named Chloe Acuno. And it's a very pretty-looking film. It's It's got great tension to it, great atmosphere. Uh, everybody gives a pretty solid performance. And for a modern horror movie especially, it doesn't indulge itself. That seems to be a big problem with a lot of horror movies that have come out in the past 10 years or so is they just can't help themselves when it comes to hitting the horror tropes and then cranking that trope up to a 10. Uh, Watcher is very uh, contained, you know. It's very uh, well measured, and I would certainly recommend it. The only thing I didn't like about Watcher is the very end of it. The very end of it where we have a correction, a slight correction made for the sake of the protagonist and the viewer that we don't really need. So that's my number seven of the year. I'll give my number six now. My number six is The Northman from Robert Eggers, a director I'm not very enthused about typically, and you hated this movie. We were going to do a show on The Northman with Robbie Goodwin a while back uh, where you both would have wound up agreeing that you don't like The Northman. Now, Rather than me telling you why the Northman is great, because there are plenty of people who will tell you the Northman's great. Yeah. Why is the Northman not so great, Hobbs? I, it's not that I, I, I don't want to say I hate it because there's a lot of things about it that I like. I think it's very well shot, just like all of his movies. Um, I hate the last half hour. I don't think it's necessary. Like I don't think all of that terrible cgi or terrible looking effects at the end kind of really took away from me watching what two hours before that half hour at the end uh, i kind of wish that he had finished it differently so i think i gave it three stars on on letterbox so i don't absolutely hate it i just di didn't know if i could come up with things to talk about for a whole hour mm -hmm. uh cinematography wise and, and performance wise i think they're very good but i, I just hated that ending so much that i was like i I don't know. First thing that I agree with Robbie Goodwin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I, th I think it's a terrific film. I think it's excellent. I think it's not a masterpiece, but it's close. Is that your fa favorite Eckert? Oh, yeah. No question about it. Uh, I didn't really like The Lighthouse. So, okay. And The Witch, I would have the to witch. give a second viewing to. All right. Why don't, uh, you, why don't you give your number six? Uh, my six is uh, Blunt. Uh, it might be a little higher on your list, I think, uh, if I'm guessing correctly. Nope. Um, that, no? that made it to 100, that... number 100 for the year. There oh, were 100 wow. amazing films. Okay. Well, uh, 
now I, I thought you were going to support me because I don't have many things to say about it other than <laughs> other than it was really well shot. It was a very pretty movie. And okay. Really, well, wait, how about really... this? We'll put a bookmark in Blonde and maybe it'll come up. Maybe it will. I don't know. I keep no promises. Okay. So uh, you want to give your number five then? Uh, my five is this. Uh, is it Russian? It's a it's a sci-fi movie called Vesper that I have never heard of uh, before hmm. until very recently. Uh, it's uh it's like a um, dystopian, you know, end of the world type of thing. But they created a very interesting looking world with a lot of interesting uh, flora and a lot of, of, of very interesting monsters. Um, the director's name is Christina Buzit, I'm guessing. I don't know. But anyway, uh, it's... Uh, it's like back in the day sci-fi movie, you know, where they just take you to that world and the way they constructed the world. Uh, the story is not the the greatest story as usually is in sci-fi when they don't get too complicated, which usually ruins it. So it's, the story is very straightforward. This little girl, girl wants to like save his her dad. Her dad is just on a bed with a thing uh, that's keeping him alive, stuck to his brain. And with that, he controls a drone that goes around with her as him pretty much but uh there's uh lab created slaves uh there's uh aliens uh from other planets uh so uh i i was very uh, i enjoyed the cinematography of it a lot and just the world building that happened in it and i, and I think all the performances are also really good that's a french movie sorry uh so uh uh, there's some biohacking and then some some really cool uh, technological end of the world type of thing. So uh, it sounds uh, like a better a better Cronenberg film than what Cronenberg did this year. Yeah, not as horny. There's no <laughs> well, horn, not not a lot of horny in this. But uh, yeah, that definitely better than Crimes of the Future. Uh, and uh, it seems to be yeah, just like a, a sci-fi indie that really worked for me. You know, I don't think I heard about this movie. You might have mentioned it or suggested it for an episode of the show, and I just never got around to watching it. Uh, but it looked interesting to me. It looked like it had pretty good uh, aesthetics, all things considered. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So your your trend really is international on this show. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you see, you yeah. this might be the first episode. You see more cultured in, in film or art than, than I do. That's, that's uh, right. Uh, so my number five for the year is Funny Pages which was the mm. A24 released film from Owen Klein, which he shot over four or five years. And I was able to talk about uh, Funny Pages with Buddy Duress when I linked up with him uh, just a while back, a month ago, talking about what that experience was like shooting that movie, which he says he shot for that in 2018. So it took four years to get Funny Pages out. And I know from listening to a podcast with Owen Klein that – uh, not dissimilar to how we've shot Mass State Lottery. He just kind of picked up and shot when he could and then readjusted the story and readjusted this and that and then picked up and shot some more. So I was like, oh, phew, okay, all right. Well, this is a new one of the things here. Uh, but Funny Pages like, is, is really um, hilarious in some parts. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, we did an episode on it previously when we started doing uh, this whole setup here visually one of the beta episodes funny pages go check it out uh the lead guy's very obnoxious everyone's kind of obnoxious in it and uh it's a good time all right what is your number four uh 
oh yeah uh i just want to say funny page is another one that kind of feels like early 2000s comedy with where everyone's unlikable but you like them for some reason mm -hmm. uh and uh yeah it's really funny uh number four i have uh the wonder uh have you heard of the wonder so the wonder is this movie starring florence Pugh, uh jerry's favorite uh about this nurse in when is it said 19 i want to say 20s if not earlier no definitely earlier than that um and she's sent to this home uh to investigate or to watch this girl who's been uh who hasn't eaten in four four months mm -hmm. uh so so she's a nurse that's supposed to uh see if this is like a miracle from god or what's happening in it uh, it's another folk horror e it's not there uh, it has horror elements on it but there's no there's nothing particularly scary it's just you know those folk horror movies that are set in 100 years ago uh have that look to them uh but she's really good in it unsurprisingly uh and it's very well shot too the story has some twists and turns too that are very fucked up so uh uh it's it, it it has a really cool start too the way that it's shot because it starts with um with just like a uh what kind of looks like a high school gym uh as, like a play and then the camera just pans from that into the old house and then at the end it does the same thing kind of like a book uh bookend uh to the story uh so i thought it was it was really creative and the, the story is very engaging and uh the performances are really good so the the wonder is another netflix movie that's, Am I reading uh, correct here that the lead character's name is Lib? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, she's a, a British. They call her shit Lib throughout the film. <laughs> she's a British girl in Ireland, so nobody likes her. Everyone like because she loves her. abortion. She's just yeah. constantly fighting for the right to vote. Well, she dyed her her, her kid. Her, she killed. dyed her hair purple. Yeah, and then and, and wears a pussy hat on top of it. Oh. Yeah, the wonder. That's my three. The three, wonder, three, right? The three, wonder. Yeah. Okay. That no, not number three. Number four. Oh, did you? No, did you jump the head? Am I? Did I jump? Did you count okay. your list before you? I did. You started One, two, reading three, it off. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. All, All right. right. Now, my number four for the year is Todd Field's Tar, uh, starring Kate Blanchett, which you could not. Uh, get through 10 minutes of I still haven't finished it yet. in fairness to you it has very slow non I, I, feel, I feel like they don't cut away at any point it's just her talking explaining uh, her philosophy of musicians and how their personal lives don't really matter compared to the art that they do which is ultimately what the film winds up being about you mind if I spoil the ending for you oh, go ahead. okay well she gets canceled because wow. she's addicted to hiring attractive young women who might be bi-curious or lesbians and then fucking with them, even though she's got a wife and a kid. And wife doesn't really seem to care, I guess. I mean, she cares, but she doesn't care like that. Because she's old. She's like a 70-year-old wife. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of like a Paul Schrader situation where he's got like a 24-year-old uh, uh, girl assistant and his wife is just in a bed on tubes and... A machine oh, that's not the case in tar she's like healthy but you know uh so yeah you have uh lydia tar who's played by kate blanchett and it's a terrific performance and i'm usually not a big fan of kate blanchett because she's so generically good 
you know uh she never delivers a bad performance but never does anything too interesting with her characters either and um you kind of gradually unfold this movie and learn what it's really about which is uh, a woman being canceled over her own sexual exploits which you can decide on your own whether or not they're as um as uh lacking in ethics as as perhaps what is being portrayed in the press to this character in, in the movie uh one of her flings kills herself after sending a, a swath of emails making threats and doing this and that and being obsessed with her um, after being discarded she winds up killing herself and then her assistant turns on her because of that and it's this whole messy thing where this prestigious um, conductor winds up uh, gradually falling to the very end of the movie I'm spoiling this for for you guys um, she winds up going to Japan or some country, some like third world Asian country and uh, conducting for a science fiction convention where there are nerds dressed up in oh. cosplays. And that, that's her, her, her great fall is she has, she's one, considered one of the greats. And then here's where she winds up and it's like, wow, this is, this is today. This is right. This is, Great. Just place the Legend of Zelda with an arc. It's literally something like that. <laughs> it, it's it, as bad as that. So that was my number four for the year. Uh, you want to give your number three? Yeah. Well, I messed up. Number three was a wonder. Number four was. was <laughs> so called... you did fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I did. This movie called Hellhole. It's a Polish horror movie about a priest that's sent to a monastery because uh, uh, they're investigating some uh, weird disappearances. Now, this monastery. It's in 1987, so it's a shithole. It's like an absolute shithole. It's dirty. It's gross. It's very. It's a very disgusting movie, uh, but it's also very funny, and uh, it has a, a an element of uh, the the devil that they want to revive the devil somehow, uh, and uh, has a, a couple of very funny twists and turns. And it's only 88 minutes, so it's a very quick watch, but. Um, it's really well shot. Uh, the cinematography is very creepy, uh, very atmospheric, very, uh, uh, well, you know, that, that type of horror movie uh, that uh, just makes you feel dirty. Uh, they eat some bloody shit that it just makes you want to fucking throw up. Uh, and then when, once you find out what it actually is, it's, it's even worse. But uh, uh, it's called Hellhole, and it's also on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm noticing uh, yeah, a trend that a, a lot of these movies are also on Netflix. Now, I do want to just show real quick the IMDb poster to Hellhole because yeah, it's making me question why this is <laughs> so high on the list, this poster, um, which is not, it's probably not the filmmaker's fault. It's clearly Netflix's fault here yeah. with that end. Um, what yeah. a Photoshop. It's it's horrendous, but and that's supposed to be him too. It doesn't look like him at all. They're trying he to hide the like, neck fat. It looks like he looks like one of the scars guards, right? The <laughs> older one, I think. It looks like no. a Twilight vampire in a robe. So the whole movie looks like this. So it's so, and also he's very Jewish. That's David uh, Krumholtz. Yeah, he does look like that. Yeah, when he wasn't fat, uh, but uh, it's it's just a very enjoyable, quick horror movie that has a very goofy ending. Um, and uh, again, I went uh, international, I guess, I guess uh, with a Polish film, but it's uh, 
it was a, a very fun watch. So uh, Hellhole, my that was my four. One okay. Was my three. So, so yeah, well, I would clean that up in the edit, but I'm not going to. No. Uh, my number three for the year is actually a movie that got held up because uh, it was supposed to be released in 2020. And then I think it might have gotten a select release in 2021. But uh, it was a 2022 release here in the United States, and I caught that at the IFC. It, it, the movie I'm talking about is Vortex by uh, Gaspar Noé. And I'm not going to talk about it too much because we might be having Jeremy Brown back on the show sometime in January to talk about this movie because he seems very adamant about getting into it. But it stars Dario Argento and um, an actress named, I think her name is Francois Lebrun, playing an elderly couple and she has oh. dementia and he's old and hardly managing um, taking care of her. And he's also trying to like feed into a side fling with like a, another Lydia Tarr situation with like a 40 year old woman or something he, he's seeing. And they have a junkie son who's a total fuck up in a mess. And it's just the most depressing movie you can watch is Vortex. It's, there's no happy ending. It's a pretty awful ending. It's a pretty nihilistic ending. Um, it ends exactly so the split, what you would... split screen movie. Yes. Right? Vortex was done in split screen, which I've lamented in the past. I'm uh, upset we couldn't get Mass State Lottery out sooner because Mass State Lottery does it's like 50% split screen. Um, and yeah. I don't want people to think I took it from Vortex, but it doesn't really matter. It, 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 it's not going to make a difference. Um, Vortex is a, an amazing film, and uh, I certainly recommend anyone watch it if they want to feel down about themselves. So that's my number three for the year. And we'll talk about that more later this month. What is your number two for the year 2022? Uh, the number two, this is Stranger. Uh, this is... Uh, is that uh, another Joel Joel Edgerton film? Yes, that one, okay. yeah. I heard from Jay yeah. Canrahan this movie was uh, great. And he's a yeah, harsh critic, so... It, yeah, and especially with crime movies, right? He's very critical whenever... Now, are you aware that this is a Netflix film also? Yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> now that... And I, I didn't even think about it. I was just going through my my list. And, and I guess all the shit that I've talked about Netflix in the past, now I'm eating, eating my words in 2022. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very well-shot, very well-acted story about... Uh, a suspect that's uh, involved in a missing persons case, and uh, th there's a, a lot of uh, well, one one uh, the cop that's played by Joel Egerton pretends to be his friend so that he can get him to to admit that he did it, pretty much. Uh, but uh, it's very creepy and very atmospheric, very very um, beautiful in a non-beautiful way. The way that it's shot, because mm -hmm. everything is very dreary and dark and and uh the forests are all like they're not it's not a green forest it, everything is kind of gray uh but it, it keeps you engaged throughout throughout the whole movie and and i i really enjoyed myself watching that what did do you remember what jake said uh, about it no he did write a, a brief review on letterboxd uh if you want to pull that up or something but i i asked him i was like is this really worth checking out because uh, he's notoriously critical of anything that does not, you know, pass the sniff test as far as crime right. goes. And uh, yeah, he, he thought it was good. I remember somebody in our, our group on facebook.com slash low res gang, if you want to join our private group and still use Facebook, um, which by the way, I finally got my suppression, uh, like, what do you, what do they call it? Shadow ban lifted. 
So I was getting like six likes a post. I, I was complaining about this month or two ago, and it happened for like three months after I was getting bangers, just 200 likes, 300 likes, 400 likes. And now it's gone. They decided, hey, we'll let him have a normal account again. And uh, it's back to that. And people have been eating up a lot of what I've been posting, but especially the short film with you and Jerry, Closing Up Shop, which is out now on YouTube. So go check that out. I'm going to build a Forgotten Genre. I should have done that first, Forgotten Genres page. So you guys can just go to ForgottenGenres.com slash Closing Up Shop, and it's very easy to remember. You know what? By the time this episode drops, I'll have done that. So go to ForgottenGenres.com slash Closing Up Shop if you want to watch the uh, short film starring Hans and Jerry here. But yeah, I, I remember somebody in our Facebook group saying it was, was kind of like Manhunter. And I was like, mm-hmm, okay. And uh, I never watched it. But you know what? I'm going to check it out after we're done with this show. I might throw it on. So that's it's good on Netflix, to know. It's easy. Yeah. Easy to find. Easy yeah. to get. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, you, you know, not so you feel left out here, but my number two of the year is a Netflix film also. And uh, that film is Blonde. So that is by Andrew Dominic. Uh, we've done an episode on Blonde before where we had Blauergeist on, and you guys should go listen to that because we talk about it much more thoroughly. Not even on that show. Actually, the one before, when we were talking about the Munsters, I feel like yeah. we really got into Blonde. So give that a watch. It's a great movie. Um, the critics are completely wrong about it, and it's unfortunate Anna de Armas is probably going to get snubbed when it comes to the Oscars. You know, I think the Academy Awards have a real opportunity this year to gain back some goodwill and, and throw in popular films and interesting artistic films as opposed to this direct-to-streaming shit. Because I haven't seen too many CODA movies released in the past month. Like, the deadline's over for 2022. Oh, yeah. You haven't seen too many Year of the Dog, CODA. Um, what, what am I missing here? You know, these direct-to-streaming diversity films or woman director films, like, we're going to hit the mark. We're going to get that best picture, best director, but whatever. Uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of that. Was Coda this year? Coda, yeah. Well, Coda was uh, the 2021 best picture winner in early 2022. That's the deaf people one, right? Mm -hmm. And that was an I Apple that... Plus exclusive. I think that was just released on HBO Max for me here, and I just I don't know. that that's a movie I will never watch so long as I live. That movie never happened. Yeah. That movie didn't exist. I couldn't even think of what won the twenty twenty to twenty twenty one year. Uh, I don't. I have no I, memory of it. I wanted to check the the comments on that video because I remember there was some pushback from some people for the um, one we did on Blonde. Yeah, but. Now that I look at it again, um, I see one creepy old guy <laughs> that left a gigantic paragraph saying that, uh, you know, shut your goddamn mouth. It ends with that, remember? <laughs> I do love when people decide to write a whole essay in the comment section. That's been happening pretty frequently lately, too. Yeah. Um, and I read them. I do read every last word, unless it's on an Eyes Wide Shut video, because... <laughs> I know better yeah. now. I get, I get like 50 comments a week on those Eyes Wide Shut videos, and most of them are that long. 
and they go into, well, actually, Kubrick was hinting at the pedophilia aspect by using the same two extras at the end. And where's the daughter? They never show the daughter. Clearly, this is about pedophilia. It's about the pedophiles and the pedophilia that they commit. And she's like, no, you fucking retard. Shut up, stupid. And I'll write, oh, guy. really? I didn't know that. Hey, thank you for, <laughs> for letting me know that. I, you know what? I'm going to go back to the movie and watch it with that in mind. Thank you so much for informing me. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Blonde's great. Blonde is wonderful. It's a dark, dreary film, kind of like Vortex, but it's much more stylistic. And Anna de Armas gives a great performance. Adrian Brody gives a limited but great performance. Uh, Bobby Cannavale gives a very good one. He gives a terrible one in Gloria, the remake of Gloria from 97 or so that was directed by oh god who did 12 angry men damn what's his name he directed the vin diesel attorney movie where vin diesel has hair as well sydney lumet sydney lumet that that's that's correct yeah a great director the most boring looking movie first of all gloria is uh they shot in like an empty white apartment and the uh, Italian gangsters in that film all look like central casting picks. They look like they live in Los Angeles, California. Never been to New York before in their life. Horrible. But Blonde is great. And that's my number two for the year 2022. So go ahead. Give us your number one. What is the best film of 2022, according to Hans? Oh, well, you mentioned it earlier. It's another Netflix movie. <laughs> It's uh, All Quiet in the Western Front. Uh, wow. Okay. Damn. Yeah. This is the one big movie I missed this year is All Quiet on the Western Front. I said that right before. Yeah. The, the, all right. Okay. Let's hear so, it. So I was not familiar with the original one because it's from like 1920 or something. It's black and, black and white, shitty, old. And I, don't, I don't watch those yeah, shitty every, old knows everything before 1960, <laughs> before Technicolor is shit. It's, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if they still talk like oh see oh oh i watched the movie yesterday called the outfit i don't mm. know if you've heard of it uh it stars uh del that that was going to be on my list but it, it's more it kind of feels more like a like a play mike rylands isn't it more like a play because it all happens inside of uh taylor's uh what do you call it? office taylor's store but taylor's dylan o'brien you know, you know, Dylan O'Brien pops up in this and everyone talks like the 1950s. And then you have goofy ass Dylan O'Brien who still looks 14 wearing adult clothes. And he just sounds like him. He's like, can you what's the point of, of getting a recognizable face? I guess if he's not even going to try, he just plays himself. You know, he's just, oh, I guess uh, Dylan O'Brien was uh, transported to the 1950s and everyone else is very, huh, see kind <laughs> of voice. And then he's just. You know, uh, uh, Kite Runner. No, what's the movie? <laughs> what's the movie that he's in? The big movie where he got brain damage, or is that not him? Oh, uh, no, I don't think it was the Kite Runner. It was something that sounds similar to that. It was some young adult book series. The Maze Runner. The Maze Runner. Yeah, and uh, I just thought it was a very funny pick because why would you get someone that is not even going to try? You know, <laughs> he's, why would he's you get a literal also... retard to play that character? Is what I'm saying. Right. At least he would try to do the accent. This guy, also, he's 31. He still looks like 16. And and he plays like the son of a gangster in this. And it's just like, just why? Why cast uh, Teen Wolf's Dylan O'Brien if you're trying to... Are you looking forward to Teen Wolf the movie next year? It, 
Is it from the series? Teen no. Wolf, the series, the movie. Right. Yeah, I mean, no, they're just cover. ignoring the Michael J. Fox and Jason Bateman ones. You know what this sounds like? This movie sounds like The Cobbler, starring Adam Sandler from 2014. Yeah, it's similar with more gangsters, I guess. I never saw The Cobbler. Uh, but anyway, uh, All Quiet in the Western Front, uh, It's uh, I think it's German. Yeah. I, it might be German. Uh, really well acted. It's very gory, very visually. And the way that this movie is directed is uh, amazing. Um, it's v- it keeps you at the edge of your seat. It's, it's very interesting. And, and it's it's just a story of three goofy teenagers uh, that think that going to war is going to be fun because I'm with my friends. And then the horrors of 1920s war happens uh, and all of that fun ends in in horrible tragedy so uh uh for a movie that's i think it's almost three hours if i'm not let me see uh it's it's the movie that i that i enjoyed the most uh this year um how long is it two two hours two thirty uh, and uh, I don't know who Edward Ber- Edward Berger is, the director. He did. Uh, well, I love uh, his foods. Woof. Oh, he's like a TV director. All right, but uh, he did a, a really great job in this. And I I just put it on just because like I didn't I knew nothing about it, uh, and uh, it ended up. Yeah, being my favorite of the year. So if that's the one that you haven't seen, I think you should definitely check it out. Yeah, that's a big snub for me. You know what it sounds like? You know what it reminds me of is that uh, Adam Sandler 9-11 movie. What is it? What was it called? Let Let It Rain or something like that? Rain Uh, on Me? Rain on Me. Rain (laughs) on Man. I want to see Adam Sandler with a jerry curl. (laughs) Well, uh, that sounds like a, a great film, and I regret not having watched it before doing the show. So now uh, there's there could be an asterisk. So far to date, any time I've done a best of the year list, there's always been like one exclusion of like a notable thing that I just haven't caught because there wasn't a screener sent out or something. But it's never penetrated the top ten, so it's never jeopardized the integrity of the top ten. I'm going to assume that'll be the case with this, but if it is, I will... I will be the bigger man here and admit that um, I should have watched the film and retroactively adjust the list here. My number one, it's Elvis. Of course it's Elvis. It was always going to be Elvis. Elvis is the best movie of the year by far. Most entertaining, visually satisfying, um, inspirational film to come out in many years. Austin Butler, best performance you could ask for from an actor in 2022. Tom Hanks, horrible, piece of shit. Um, very cartoonish, but it, it's so Orson Welles-ish and yeah. old Hollywood that it, it's not charming. I'm not going to say it's charming, but you accept it and you go, this is part of the movie. This, is, this isn't an outside thing. You know, it wouldn't be better without it. It would be more, it would be less creatively interesting as a whole. And considering it's this big, explosive, cartoonish film at times... Um, and the editing's just wild, all over the place, so colorful. It works with it. It does work with it. Uh, that doesn't mean Tom Hanks's performance is good. Don't be surprised if he does get a Best Supporting Actor nomination for Elvis in spite of that because of just how the Academy works. Um, 
but uh, I, I appreciate what he's going for. And I no longer see him as like trying to steal the movie from Austin Butler by drawing attention to himself, which is kind of what I felt a little bit the first time I watched it in theaters. Well, let me tell you, uh, it's things are looking good because it won the AARP movies for grown up awards. <laughs> movies for right? grown ups award. Yeah. Best director, Baz Luhrmann. Best Do you think he showed up and claimed it? I, I'll look it up. <laughs> You know, it's kind of funny if you look at any interview with Baz Luhrmann from 1999 or 2001, 2003, when he just hit, he did Strictly Ballroom and Moulin Rouge. And he's just like a normal artsy guy. And you take a look at him now at like 60 and he's like burnt to a crisp from all these tanning beds and he's gay as hell. And, you know, his wife and kids are just dead to him. You know, he's very flamboyant. And he does a lot of like these hand motions where his wrists are like bent down. Uh, no, he looks normal there. He looks respectable. Or is not to say he doesn't look respectable. Well, there you go. So there he is with Lisa Marie Presley, Elvis's widow. Oh, uh, well, not really. If they got a divorce, they split up before he died. He had two girlfriends in between, casually left out of the movie. Um, one he was with for like five years after her. They don't make it seem that way. So don't don't go to Elvis for facts necessarily, but for a great movie, um, I don't think you can get any better than this Baz Luhrmann film. Maximalist, beautiful picture. Um, that's my number one for the year. So now, you two biopics for one and two. Yes, two Americana biopics, and I hate Americana. I've always hated Americana, and yet here we are. Elvis and Marilyn Monroe are number one and number two for 2022 uh what are people saying are the oscar frontrunners because i i had taken a look weeks ago and it said that the fablemans was the front runner for best picture which is crazy to me um but they were also saying adam driver is going to get in there for best actor and white noise will be not and white noise was horrible white noise was a total mess disaster uh babylon also total mess disaster from uh damien chazelle I can't imagine the, these obvious candidates to occupy these positions are going to hold up. I think this could be a real year where blockbusters are are honored and put back to focus, um, which we haven't um, seen too much of. Variety says Austin Butler, Colin Farrell, or Banshees of Inisherin. That's not Brandon even comparable. Drake. That's crazy that Colin Farrell is, is the guy. At, I don't think they're going to give it to Austin Butler because he's young. That's... That, oh, oh, are you with me, Hans? Hans is apparently froze on his connection here. Uh, he'll probably be back in a moment, so I'll just be talking about this. Oh, excuse me. It's my internet connection, not Hans's internet connection. Well, this is no good. Uh-oh, I'm going to hit pause. See you in the future, guys. Hey, we're back. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, I don't know why I'm apologizing, because it's a very seamless picking up and dropping off from where we left off. But yeah, we were just talking about the Oscar contenders, weren't we, Hans? We were talking about how uh, Austin Butler, I guess, is considered the favorite to win because he did undeniably give the best performance of no. the year, I think. I think Brendan we can all Frazier. say that. Brendan Fraser. Oh, yeah, The Whale. Gonna, he's going to get it because fat. Because fat? You think? But <laughs> they've kind of turned on The Whale a little bit because they're saying it's fat-phobic now. They don't like that. No. And the movie, the movie hasn't really gotten 
outstanding reviews. That's another dud as far as the Oscar contenders go, where people thought it was going to be this big film. And most people are just whatever about it. They say he's great, but the movie's, eh. you know? And my thinking here is that they won't give it to Austin Butler and they should give it to Austin Butler, but because he's so fresh, you know? What do you do before this? Yoga hosers. Yeah. What do you do right before? Yeah. Yoga hosers. He was, the, he was the guy in the convenience store in yoga hosers. Colin Farrell, Bill Nye did a movie called Living. Never heard of it. Maybe it'll go and to Bill Tom Nye because he's old. And then Tom Hanks for a movie called A Man Called Otto, where he plays a grumpy neighbor. Have you seen the trailer for this? No. Tom Hanks has these movies that come out at the end of every year, and they go direct to Apple, and they look like the most generic, boring shit. And it's, a, it's nope. this fake, like, technology quirk. This is a movie theater movie. He played before Avatar for me. And it's just him being a grumpy old man, and then the neighbors are, like, Mexican or something, and they are nice to him and then he's like oh i guess i don't have to be grumpy grand torino okay got yeah, it but less racist <laughs> uh, watered down grand torino no thank for you for movies variety has uh top gun as number one fable men's is two the banshees at three everything everywhere all at once at four did are... you see this banshees of inishiran movie i started it and then i i uh Look, it, it's funny, but it's, it's nothing special. I don't know why Colin, if they have Colin Farrell as the front runner. Like his performance in it is good, but it's not anything, to, it's not best performance of the year material. Um, I don't know. I thought, I thought the other guy was Brendan Gleeson, right? He, he, he's yeah. better in that movie than Colin Farrell. Um, Barry Keoghan is sure good at playing retarded. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's funny in it. I, I, I'm, I'm sure I'll finish it. Uh, I just, uh, you know, with that accent, I kind of have to read the subtitles, and I, I wasn't paying full attention. So half an hour in, I was like, I, I don't know what anyone's saying. Uh, so uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll finish it. What but, Wasn't uh, that your life when you were living in the UK? Isn't that exactly not, what that was like? You were living on a hill not, <laughs> on an island? At the beginning, yeah. But that Irish accent with all the A's and all the little things they add to their sentences, I, mm. I don't know what the fuck you weirdos are saying. Uh, director. Uh, Steven Spielberg is the front runner for the Fablemans. Then Martin McDonough for the Banshees. Todd Field, Bas Lerman got four, and then Joseph Kosinski for Top Gun. But we know Tom Cruise really directed Top Gun. Kosinski's just like his bitch, you know. He's his prison bitch who just likes taking it the most out of all these guys. There's Christopher McQuarrie, and then there's Kosinski. Uh, Cause. Well, is it Kaczynski? It's K Kaczynski, right? <laughs> yeah, Kaczynski. Yeah. Okay, no relation. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I think it would be a fun victory to see Top Gun get it. I think it would be more fun to see Elvis get it, but I, I think that's a longer shot. I don't, I don't know if Elvis will even be nominated. I think Austin Butler's the only sure bet for nominations. Maybe Baz will, will get nominated. That would be nice. But it, it's such a wild field of films that there's no front runners for any of these categories. I think the only slam dunk is probably going to be Kate Blanchett for Tar. Uh, they have her, yes, two after Michelle Yeoh from Everything. Get Ever Real. That is not happening. <laughs> That's not happening. That movie might yeah. get nominated. I don't think so. I mean, I, I think the big thing, the big thing about this year and why the Academy Awards has potential to be interesting this year is because you don't have those movies, as I was saying before, 
the message films that are like, this is the year for the deaf. This is the year for the woman. This is the year for the black. It's not for the woman king. The woman, all right. Yeah, that wins in a sweep. Of course. What was I thinking? The woman king. Yeah. Best picture, director, actor. It had everything. You don't need any other movie. The woman, where was the woman king on your list? It was my number one. I just, I slipped my mind. Yeah, me too. I messed up. I messed up. I I was one of those 90,000 generic usernames who gave it an A plus and a 99% score on Rotten Tomatoes and everywhere else. And uh, in a review, it looks like you just hit the keyboard with both yep. hands, so it doesn't say anything. Yeah. And then it ended with a smiley face. So yeah. That was a positive review. Where was Avatar <laughs> two on your list? You said this was the best looking movie of all time. I think it was like thirteen. Wow. Yeah. Just no, a no movie mention. theater movie. Okay. Yeah, just yeah, it's fun. It's a fun movie. That's it. Where's uh, Christmas Boy Christmas on your list? <laughs> Christmas Story Christmas. Christmas, um, bloody Christmas. Oh, that's honestly close to last. I can't. We still have a show we got to do on this fucking movie. Um, Is that going to happen still? I, I hope so, because I'm a man of my word. And I told Spencer, look, if there's one thing you can count on with your life, it's me and Hans doing your show on Christmas, buddy, buddy Christmas. <laughs> buddy Christmas. Uh, buddy I Christmas. hope so. I hope Damn, so. Damn, that would be so have... good to do a Christmas movie with Buddy Duress. We call with it Buddy, buddy Christmas. That's going to be later this year. Big surprise. <laughs> Listen to that with the elf character is called Buddy. But oh buddy fuck, the that's the elf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, listen. For worst movies of the year, I have for feature films. There's a lot of short films here at the bottom of my list for ranked in 2022. Um, the worst two movies are Netflix movies, one of which we talked about and did an episode on. Texas Chainsaw. I don't know. We'll find out when oh, we do oh, that yeah. show. Oh, right. We're doing um, that show, right. But Christmas Bloody Christmas is the third worst movie I have for the year. Yeah, if we don't do a show on that, I'm going to be pissed because I would have not seen that piece of shit. I don't know who's going to listen to that now that it's January, but um, maybe we'll just queue it up for December of 2023. So maybe you're dead or something by that point. <laughs> or fucking Spencer's in a psych ward. Or, I don't know. And then, <laughs> hey... That's kind of how it felt when I dropped the Anthony Cisco Low Society episode after he disappeared for a month and a half. I wonder if people listen to that and were like, oh, Anthony's back. Anthony ain't back. Anthony's in Florida. No, 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 no. He's he's in New York. I might be. Oh. I don't want to say anything. Anthony and I no. might be linking up to go work oh, with nice. Nick Joroff this week. Oh. Nick Joroff nice. will be flying in in three days, and I've got him for the week. That's mm-hmm. fun. Is he going to be staying with you? We're all going to go to a, a flop house. That's that's the plan. <laughs> it's not filming. It's stay, just that. You're all going to stay in Anthony's wife's house. Yep. We're all camping out there. And it's going to be a great time. And there will be beverages had. So that's uh, that's right. a plan. But I'll tell you one other movie that's in the, the bottom of the bin for 2022 is uh, Salesman. The Stavros Halkios starring film that went direct to Tubi. Did you watch a lot of shorts this year? I watched some shorts. There were some shorts in here that I'm not going to include in the list, including The Note, a film by Alice Wu, brought to you by Oreo. And that's about Mm -hmm. a woman coming out to her family, and it's an Oreo commercial, short film. Another one is Crabs in a Barrel, a Latinx HBO Max 
short about how one Latinx success is every Latinx success, oh, or is right. it? Yeah. Oh, is it a twist there? <laughs> yeah, there's oh. a twist. Because that's definitely something that we suffer. From. No, not we. I'm, I'm, I don't. But whenever someone is successful, it's like, oh, I'm proud to be from this country because that one person is successful. And it's like so fucking mm -hmm. Well, you must be getting wins left and right since you're a hundred ethnicities in one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm going to make it a lot of people proud if I ever make anything. Yes. Uh, Mass Ave is another one. I thought this was about Massachusetts Avenue. It's not. It's about some California Mass Ave. And it was about how a construction worker kid who works with his dad is doing landscaping and they're both black and the police pull up and are like, get down, get down get down and he's like no wait we're just landscapers don't shoot i thought it was a, a street where only fat people live <laughs> <laughs> wow that's a that's not the kind of joke i was expecting in that all right uh, another one is twelve thirty hopewell road which uh was like i don't know maybe there's a trailer on youtube or something that's worth looking at but it's a dude who looks like necro the rapper who shot and starred in his own horror film about like his wife in a snuff film. But the, the VHS snuff film is like an iPhone VHS filter. And then he's like dancing to Burzum or Bones or so, somebody like that. I don't know. Oh, uh, I thought you are going to take out the VHS of it. Here, here it is. No, 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 <laughs> uh, uh, no. Uh, also VHS 99 is in that bottom bottom rung. So there's a lot of horrible movies that I had to endure this year. Some middle of the rack films include Mad God, War Hunt, Alex's War, Terrifier 2, Fresh, Amsterdam, Nope, Luxie Turner, that's another Gaspar in the Way film that um, was originally released in 2019. It was like, I think it was supposed to be like a Yves Saint Laurent commercial and he just Turn it into a movie. It was a very Gaspar thing to do. Uh, Black Phone, What is a Woman, Senior, the Robert Downey Senior documentary. Uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Plantasm, which was the better Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie. It was actually pretty funny. They did a good job with it. The Batman. Are you excited about the Batman getting integrated into the DC universe? They're talking about, oh, he's going to go to Metropolis now. Of what the new young Superman? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think James Gunn's gonna fuck it all up. He said that the inspiration for the films coming out next are the animated Justice League movie. So, or series, excuse me. Nice. So you're excited. I'm thrilled. It's better than the Super Friends, I guess. Do you remember the Super Friends? Fuck no, I'll take Super Friends any day over. <laughs> It's not even that the Bruce Tim stuff is bad at all. It's not. It's good. But it's so played out, you know. It's just I'm tired of it. It's over. Uh, Father Stu, 22. Chip and Dale, 21. RRR, 23. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's been 2022. <laughs> yeah. This is, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm eating up more time. So this isn't like an hour and five minute show. But all right. That has been movies for the year 2022. <laughs> We're officially into 2023 now, and uh, exciting times ahead. 
we'll we'll see you guys real soon. I don't know what we're even covering next. I think we might do a worst of list or something. We'll we'll see. We'll figure it out. Uh, but until then, go follow Hans on Twitter. The H word name is his at uh, LowResWB oh for me. And um, that's been movies for this week for this year. Thank you for listening.